20th of September 2008, when the Marina Bay Street Circuit in Singapore is hosting Formula One's first ever night race. The first ever Formula One night race is go! Felipe Massa, Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso tussle under the thousands of lights illuminating the three-mile track and the iconic high-rises towering above it. Meanwhile, 6,000 miles away in Copenhagen, a teenager in search of a dream is also about to see the light. It was a night race and I saw this mechanic jump out and you know the lights and the glamour. And I thought, that is what I want to do with my life. Okay, I'm a 14-year-old girl from Denmark, I want to be a Formula 1 mechanic and I don't even know the difference between a bolt and a nut. Ten years later, Amelia Rath would be there at the Singapore Grand Prix. She'd be in the pit lane as a Formula 1 mechanic. This is the story of how she did it. This is Unsung. Introducing the sports stars you don't know, telling the stories you can't miss. We'll look beyond the headlines and behind the athletes to shine a rare spotlight on the integral men and women in the shadows interwoven in the fabric of sport. This week, we're featuring Formula One mechanics. Written and narrated by Alexis James, this episode is called Park Ferme. Despite Formula One being, ostensibly, a mixed-gender sport, the last woman to drive in a Grand Prix was nearly half a century ago, when Lella Lombardi came 12th at the 1976 Austrian Grand Prix. Speak about you with a lot of respect and with a certain amount of fear. They think you're really good and quick. She says, I do everything I can in order for them to think that. I drive because I love cars and I'm not here just to be here. This lack of female visibility has had a knock-on effect off the grid too. In 2018, just 28% of all F1 employees were female. And you'll find very few of those in the pit lane. In 2021, reigning champions Mercedes had a core race team of 65. Only four were women. Formula One chief Bernie Eccleston seems to be at it again. He's in the news for a sexist comment this time. He said that women drivers would not be taken seriously in the sport. And he's also questioned if they can be as fast as men inside of Formula One. If F1 has long been seen as an old boys club, then it's a reputation that is largely deserved. And so, for many years, it's been rare that any young girl sees the sport as an attractive career option. But occasionally, one comes along, prepared for the battle that awaits. I always had this weird, unsettling feeling in me, like I knew that I was meant to do something and I had all this energy and drive. I just didn't have anything to aim my drive at, and that made me a very restless child. And maybe, I don't know, maybe I was a little bit of a troublemaker, but not anything serious, but just because, like, what am I supposed to do with all this build-up energy? I can't focus it on anything. The day the bright lights of Singapore beamed through Amelia Rath's television was the day she'd found a focal point for her energy and drive. She reached out to Ola Schack, Red Bull's Danish front-end mechanic, who gave Amelia some advice on how to follow his lead. She scribbled down a career roadmap, and then, just days after being accepted into regular college, she told her parents she wasn't going. Instead, she was going to become a Formula One mechanic. Amelia's parents were wary, and wondered if it was just another of their daughter's flights of fancy, a phase that would pass without a single thing to show for it. Once I wanted to be a model, figured I wasn't pretty enough, then I wanted to have a candy shop, 
decided that was not good for my teeth. So I've never really been committed to anything that I was actually good at. But this time was different and nothing would divert Amelia off her track towards the chequered flag. What my parents thought was is a very unusual way for a girl, especially when my whole point of being a mechanic was to end up in F1. So that was very unrealistic for them. And I think they were worried about everything I had to go through to get to that point. Amelia began her four-year road mechanic course. And at first, she thrived. I got the highest grade. Everything started to click, the mathematics, because I could now use the theoretically part into practical. So I felt like I'm really good at this. But soon, Amelia encountered a significant roadblock. In order to complete the course, students were required to source a two-year apprenticeship in a real-life garage. The problem was, despite the grades matching the passion, nobody wanted her. So I printed out maybe 100 and 150 uh, applications with name and everything. I Google like, who's the boss at this place? Put his name on it personally. My dad drove me around in like the entire island to try and <laughs> meet these people and shake their hands and show them what I was made of. And on multiple occasions, I could see my application going in the bin before I even left the room, which was a bit rude, obviously, and not, you know, didn't do my motivation any good. Why does anyone want to hire me? Exasperated, Emilia began to look for answers to that very question. She'd soon regret asking. I was told we don't have a shower facilities, you could turn pregnant. Bear in mind, I was 15 at this point. I heard it all, so at the end, I, um, I put in my in my application that I just brought my own shower because I found one online. It doesn't matter, you don't have the facilities because I'll bring my own. Amelia continued to apply to garages all over Denmark. Still nothing. Her anxious parents were seeing their fears realised and they wanted her to move on. My parents obviously said, well, you can go to school and do something else and then maybe at some point you'll get it. But I was dead determined and F1 was such a force in me that I could not not be a mechanic. So um, I kept the plan. The rejections chipped away at Amelia's youthful naivety and she started to watch her beloved sport in a new light. Eventually, she'd realised what her parents had been sensitively hinting at. Under those helmets, in the pit lanes that she one day hoped to be part of, there was simply nobody who looked like her. Quite often, the only women trackside were the scantily clad grid girls parading drivers' names and numbers. I start watching a lot more F1, like live, breathe, eat F1, and realized very quickly that it was really only grid girls that were there and maybe a few boss ladies in the, in the pit lane, but there was more on the strategy side of it. I couldn't actually see anyone in, in a race suit. So slowly it's starting to think for me that maybe this is a bit unusual and maybe this is going to be a bit harder than expected. But who doesn't have a good challenge, you know? Eventually, after two years, Amelia heard back from a Renault dealership in the city. At 18 years old, she could finally call herself a trainee mechanic. But she had a long way to go and plenty more barriers to negotiate. Amelia made an instant impression at her new employers, where she formed part of a team of 10 mechanics. As the only woman, her introduction would become the stuff of legend. I come into this workshop, and at that point I'm 18, I'm blonde, first female they ever had, and the first thing I think I say to these guys is, don't get used to having me around because I'm gonna become a Formula One mechanic. While she can laugh at her youthful brashness today, at the time she soon realized that it might not have been the wisest first step, especially among the more, let's say, jaded members of her team. 
that was the start of <laughs> four very long years. <laughs> is this where dreams dies is how I used to think about this workshop because obviously a lot of them was also some good mechanics, but a lot of them had these dreams or maybe like a little childhood dream that they want to do it. And now they realize I'm, I'm 40, I'm here, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make it. And then this girl comes in and thinks he's all this. And this is how it's always been misunderstood. Like, I think I'm all that. At that point, I wasn't. I was so self-aware and didn't really trust my ability as a mechanic, but I knew that this drive I have inside of me feels right. So even if I might not believe myself right now, I need to say it out loud. So I have something to to go after. And if I don't do it, it's going to be really embarrassing. So even in the tough times, at least I've said it out loud now. So there's, you know, it's the point of no return. It may have been the place where dreams go to die for some of her colleagues, but as we'll soon discover, Amelia's dream had nine lives. She just about survived her four years there intact. The first month, they all tried to be really nice and funny and test the waters and see where's my boundaries. And I think the dynamic was in general quite good. I think they did enjoy having me there. Obviously, there is maybe a lot of things. If I took my 30-year-old head back in my 18-year-old body, there was some stuff I would feel was stepping over my, my boundaries or being a bit, you know, not cool. But back then, you're just trying to be accepted. You know that you're out of place already and this is not really for you. So you're just trying to not be too sensitive and... If you say, I don't like that, then are they going to say, oh, well, it's that time of the month, is it? Or you need to tough enough to make this. And no one was going to tell me that I wasn't tough enough to make it. So I think I allowed a lot of things to step over my boundaries. In addition to the pressure she put herself under, Amelia also felt the responsibility for the next woman through the door. It was a burden that would follow her for most of her career in motorsport. So it was long four years uh, and a lot of being a winner and going to the toilet and cry. I also had this sort of feeling that if I didn't make this, if I didn't, if I wasn't excellent these four years, then that would ruin it for the next girl because I was the first one. So they would never take another girl apprentice again. And I didn't want to be that person who, who stopped that from happening because I knew how hard it was for me. Amelia finished her apprenticeship with the highest grades and was even presented with medals from Denmark's Queen to recognize her achievements. After bolstering her CV, with some weekend racing experience with the Danish touring car team run by Jan Magnussen, father of Haas F1 driver Kevin Magnussen, she was offered an eight-week internship at Arden International. The British motor racing team was founded by Red Bull principal Christian Horner and his dad Gary in 1997. Since then, the team has competed in several racing series, including Formula 2 and Formula 3, and many of its staff, including former drivers Carlos Sainz and Sergio Perez, have moved into F1 after earning their racing stripes at Arden. Overjoyed at her opportunity, Amelia was convinced she'd be asked to stay beyond her initial internship. I break up with my boyfriend because I'm moving to England now, I've decided. I got a little room in a house share in Banbury, two suitcases. No doubt in my heart that, of course, they're going to hire me. I'm going to live here forever now. I'm not going back in four months, you know. <laughs> so I, I moved to Banbury and, um, and I start my internship. For Amelia, walking through the doors of Arden's workshop was like Charlie Bucket striding through the gates of Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. It may not have been Formula One, but she was now a qualified mechanic working in professional motorsport. And I walk in through the doors and there is race cars everywhere and they are shining. And all these guys are in their team kit, you know, really cool red and blue color. 
you know, high ceiling is just amazing. I can, st I still get goosebumps thinking about it. And I get my team kit the first day, and I swear I almost cry when I put it on. It's like, oh my god, I got, I got a motorsport team name on my chest now. Like I am in, I'm here. I'm gonna work so hard for this. The hierarchy at Arden placed the rookies, including Amelia, on the Formula Four team. Meanwhile, the Formula Two cars were entrusted to the most skilled and experienced mechanics those next in line for a gig in F1. It was Amelia's first time working on a single-seater racing car, but the most difficult thing for her was the lingo. I needed to learn how to say the different things in a car in English. Like, I've, I knew I could speak English, but this is technical names I need to learn. Like, I felt so stupid because I didn't know what a wishbone was. I couldn't pronounce it. My mouth was hurting me because when you speak English, you use other muscles, and I was just really, really tired. Yet within weeks, just as she'd boldly predicted, Amelia was asked to stay on and work on Arden's Formula 3 cars. As a support series for the main event, F3 drivers and staff travel all over the world to experience the Grand Prix environment on famous Formula 1 circuits. So we're going to travel with F1. I might even get to see the F1 mechanics. You know, they are for me the, the celebrities. So yeah, it, it, it was hard, but it was, um, it was a good time to begin with. Just as she had been at the Copenhagen dealership, Amelia was the only female mechanic. It was a situation she was beginning to get used to, and she remained confident that the better and higher up she got, the easier it would be. At that point, I still had this thought that the further up I got and the further to have one I got, the easier it would be to be a woman. <laughs> was I wrong? But at that point, I still thought that was the case. So I thought, right, well, at least I'm here now. So I know I still have something to prove, but I don't need to win over their respect as such, because obviously I'm a, I'm a trained mechanic now, you know? Got two medals behind me, I know I can do something. In fact, in a ruthless pit lane of prickly egos and pointy elbows, where every mechanic is jostling to be noticed by the top dogs in F1, Amelia began to wonder if she might actually have an advantage. I started to notice that me being a female might also be a positive thing, because when we were racing, all the F1 mechanics and bosses and everything, they were there at the pit lane where we were. So I made sure to really show what I could do out there. And I wasn't complaining. If anyone's trying to help me push this wheel thing behind me, I would say, no, I can do it myself. And I started to realize like everyone is looking at me. There is a lot of attention here on me. And I thought it might be because they're perverts, which, you know, is a fair option. But also maybe they're impressed. Maybe they'll remember me. So it might get easier for me to get recognised and maybe at least just get an interview with some of these places at some point. After seven months at Arden, she was approached by Manor Racing, a Formula One team based in Banbury, Oxfordshire. They offered her a spot on their F1 internship scheme. I was really happy because I thought, that's that much mean I'm a little bit of an F1 mechanic now, you know? But then the fear sat in and I thought, if I say no to Manor now, when will be my next opportunity to get into F1? But if I leave Arden and Mana doesn't work out, then what am I supposed to do? Because in reality, I only got seven months of experience in GP3 as a number two mechanic. Amelia sought some advice from people she trusted in motorsport. They told her that getting F1 on her CV was too big an opportunity to turn down. And after a lot of thinking and sleepless nights, <laughs> I, um, I decided that I was going to take the internship at Mana. I just need to find a way to tell Arden this. She asked her boss for a chat and told him of her decision. Her news went down like a fart in a race suit. 
I have never been screamed at that much in my life. I mean, I, I, that was the most uncomfortable moment in my entire life. It, it was it was such a rude way of doing it. Like if I'm looking back now, being 23 alone in this country, I understand the frustration that he had. But basically what came out of his mouth was, I am going to make sure that F1 knows that you're not loyal. I am going to make sure that you never get a job in F1 and I'm going to ruin your reputation after screaming at me for 15 minutes. So I walked out of there feeling like I have just made the biggest mistake in my life. I didn't know at that point how powerful this guy was. You know, I don't know who he knows. Can you really ruin one 23-year-old girl's reputation in an industry she's not even been in yet? You know, so I was very fearful and really upset and I, I, I was really down at that point. Undeterred, Amelia began a new life at Manor, in with the rookie mechanics at a fledgling racing team competing under new ownership. She was desperate to make the traveling pit crew and despite what her old boss at Arden might have said, she felt like she was in the best place to do so. I absolutely loved it at Manor. I learned a lot. I had the best team. I, it was honestly the best <laughs> seven months. Yeah, you heard that right. Seven months after Amelia joined the team, Manor went into administration. Manor, Formula One team have gone into administration after failing to find a new buyer, putting around 200 jobs at risk. They've had two potential deals fall through in recent weeks. That, coupled with finishing last in the Constructors' Championship, means they haven't got enough money to fund pre-season testing or compete in the 2017 World Championship. And we get told this on a Friday at 12 o'clock. And basically just being told we need to pack our things now. And that was it. I went to the pub got really drunk and then I stayed in my bed for three days crying my eyes out thinking what am I going to do now I have just fucked off Arden International which is you know a big team in, in English motorsport and now I have seven months at Manor it's now redundant on my resume Fighting the urge to return home to Denmark Amelia took a job at a local restaurant so that she could continue paying the bills while she plotted her next move if she felt low at that point it would be nothing compared to the situation she would find herself in just a month into the job. One of the guys from Arden, one of the bosses walks in and like, oh, the fear and the, the embarrassment through my, like the, the feeling I got through my body was just, I felt like I was gonna pass out. You know, I was so stressed. So I'm thinking he might know that Manu went redundant, but he doesn't actually know what I'm doing. So, but here I am at a restaurant working as a waitress where Eight months ago, I was there, GP3, number two mechanic. Amelia froze, and her first instinct was to ask a colleague to serve her old boss. Then she changed her mind. But then this, this thought came over me, because I thought, well, you know what? If there's one thing you've had with you this whole time trying to find your way to F1, it's the fact that you always keep your back straight. No man will tell you what you can and cannot do, and you will not bow your head to it, you know? Panic on the inside, smile on the outside, keep pushing. So I thought, right, I just need to do this. I need to, I, I just need to get it over with and, and be tough and boss bitch up and go over there and serve him his pizza. I got his order, served him his pizza and, um, and that was it. That was the, 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 the most horrible minutes uh, I've experienced in a long, long time. While persevering at the restaurant, Amelia snagged a freelance role with a team in the MRF Indian Racing Series. She, along with 16 other European mechanics, would be flown out to work with Indian mechanics at races in Chennai, Abu Dhabi, Dubai, and Bahrain. I asked my boss if I can get a week off to go and do this race, and he was like, oh no, I'll, you can't do that, I need you, but 
I will pay you what you're being paid. And then when I told him what we were going to be paid, he was like, no, no, you go and do racing. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't serve enough pizzas for that. It would be her first time as a number one mechanic and the role instilled some much needed confidence in her abilities. She went on to land a job with McLaren, working on their P1 circuit, which is basically a bunch of rich guys racing their $1 million McLaren cars around famous tracks. And then you've got some mechanics and, and they travel around with these cars, allowing these wealthy people to drive them on a racetrack. Just when Amelia felt she was back on track with the prestigious McLaren name on her CV and her F1 dream rekindled, disaster struck again. At the end of a long day's work, Amelia was tasked with driving dozens of cars out the garage, ready to be loaded onto the truck headed for the next race. But as she walked away from the last car, tired and ready to go home, she sensed something. And then all of a sudden, like the back of my head, I can see this car rolling. <laughs> and the panic sets in. Amelia could only watch in abject horror as a $1 million supercar rolled forward into a lamppost. The front bumper crashes, and this is not a front bumper that will cost you 300 pounds with paint, right? And this was just before race weekend, and everyone comes running out. And if I thought it was embarrassing, serving a boss at Arden a pizza or failing an exam or doing anything else there, I was very wrong. That was probably the most embarrassed I've been in my life. I almost felt like I was going to pee my pants. Like, I just thought that I am just the biggest failure in life right now. Like, just standing there looking at it, like time stood still. Here is a supercar, a McLaren, owned by a very wealthy man. And it is now, <laughs> it got a light bulb on the under end of it because of me because I forgot to put in pee and left it in drive. She returned the next day to find she'd been moved to the assembly line. And within days, she was out of a job. This time, she'd had enough. And that is the point where I decided I need to go home now. <laughs> this has been a very rough year. This started out so well and it has ended horribly wrong. Amelia's F1 dream was crushed. She headed back to Copenhagen, into the loving arms of her parents, who'd always worried that this day would come. Home didn't provide the solace Amelia was after. For a while in the UK, she remained largely unknown. In Denmark, it was quite different. The country is five times smaller than the UK, with a population of just under six million. Head abroad to work in professional sport, and there's a very good chance the Danish media will know about it. And, it's fair to say, they knew about Amelia. I've always been very verbal about my journey because I wanted it to be, I wanted something to, you know, to remind me of everything I was going through, but I also wanted to show Denmark and show all the girls and everyone else out there how fucking cool it is to be like, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to scream very loud about it. So all the medias were following me, like Amelia's going to be the first female mechanic in Denmark and all of this everywhere in magazines. So after I crashed the McLaren, got yelled at by Arden Boss and went redundant with the first F1 team I worked at, it was a little bit embarrassing going home. And I, in my head, I thought the whole country knows about this. You know, I am a, I'm a failure. They're all laughing at me behind my back. Amelia was at an all-time low. Depressed, she rarely left her dad's house. And I cried for a month, like, how am I going to get back to it? How am I going to get back from here? Who's going to hire me based on my resume? And reputation, like, now it's just, it's not just one team that doesn't like me, it's two. You know, this, this is not going to go well. Despite her fears, 
she continued to send out her CV. And one day she heard back from Fortec Motorsport. The British racing team, whose past drivers have included Juan Pablo Montoya and Heike Kovalainen, wanted Amelia to work on their Formula 4 team. It was a chance for her to start again from scratch. She moved back to England in a heartbeat, knowing that this would be her very last chance. Slowly my confidence came back, my drive, my motivation, my love for the sport came back. Kept reminding myself why I want to get into F1. Then one day, she received a phone call. It was from Force India, the Formula One team that would go on to be known as Racing Point and years later rebranded as Aston Martin. Amelia hadn't applied to any vacancy, but Force India had a CV on file from years before after Manor had gone bust. They asked if she'd like to come in for an interview. I was just working on my F4 car, you know, loving life. Force India certainly calls and says, oh, we have your resume here, we would really like to talk to you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said, are you sure? Because <laughs> I was like, what is happening? Um, so, worried about making the same mistake again as I did with Arden and Manor, you know, I, I chose to go to the interview anyway, because how can you say no? When Amelia turned up for the interview, she'd soon realised leaving Arden for Manor, which she'd started to consider a grave career mistake, was actually the only reason she'd been asked to come along. Just as she'd been advised, having F1 on her CV trumped everything else on there. He says, because of your experience at Manor, you are very, very interesting to us. And I said, well, why? Because I was on an intern. He said, well, it doesn't matter if you're an intern or you work there, you have had it in your hands. Like, you know the hydraulic side of it. You've seen the drawings, you know how we test it, you know how to build it. And now I'm sat here because I made that decision of changing over to Manor. Amelia felt the interview went well, but she didn't hear from them. So she went back to work at Forte. Then one day, during her lunch break, she received the call she'd been waiting 10 years for. Hi, uh, it's someone from um, India, Force India. I just want to let you know that we would like to offer you the job. I was like, what job? <laughs> what are you offering me here? Like, because I, I didn't want to get too excited. She said, oh, you know, as, as, a, as a mechanic on our team. So do you mean like, a race mechanic? Like, I'm, I'm on the race team? Yeah, 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 you're on the race team. Like, to all the races? Yes, of course, all the races. Part of the pit crew? It's like, yeah, part of the pit crew as well. And like, that's when it hit me. Oh my God, this, this is the moment. And I was like, oh, can I wind back and just have it again? Because this is everything that I've been imagining for so many years. And obviously I start crying, like, slowly, with no sound, like a winner. <laughs> but this, this is this is it. Like she's saying that I'm going to be an actual F1 mechanic. I'm going to be in the race team. I'm going to be a pit stop mechanic. Shaking, Amelia immediately called her family back home. Knowing everything that their daughter had gone through, their instincts urged caution. And I call my dad, and I'm obviously expecting this like massive, "Whoa, you made it into F1!" And he gets a bit nervous, and he's like, "Well, have you seen the contract? Like, don't get too happy, or maybe it's not. Maybe maybe it's misunderstood what she said or something." When the contract arrived, the party could begin. Amelia Rath was finally going to become Denmark's first female Formula One mechanic. She headed home for a celebration dinner with her family, but she had one thing left to do before she started her dream job. She had to tell Forte that she was leaving. Given what happened at Arden, she steeled herself. And I need to just, you know, bite the bullet and, and let them know, because obviously they had plans for me for moving up to different race series, but. The difference here was when I told him, he was happy for me. And he said, you know, 
call me if if you want to come back or anything, but well done, good luck. Amelia began her F1 career in winter testing with her new team. As well as tuning and tweaking Esteban Ocon and Sergio Perez's new cars, this was the time for the support staff to also get in shape for the rigors of the season ahead. Just the first three months from even like getting there the first day, seeing the factory, also weird, meeting all my colleagues, which are the mechanics that I've seen on TV and like now I'm part of them. We had our own personal trainer. You know, we get time off work to go to the gym. Yeah, I was laying in the sauna. I was like, this is life. You know, what is this? <laughs> After sipping champagne in the VIP airport lounge on the way to Melbourne, the real work was about to begin. The 25th of March, 2018 was the day that Amelia Rath finally got the chance to live out a fantasy she'd been dreaming about for a decade. It was the season opener at the Australian Grand Prix. It's lights out and away we go. It's a good start from Hamilton. I remember my first race because I've never been that sick in my life. Oh my God, the nerves. The 2018 season was made up of 21 races with Bahrain, Azerbaijan, Mexico, Brazil, and Canada among the far-flung venues. Jet-setting mechanics are among the first on the scene on a Tuesday, helping the truckies construct F1's famed pop-up workshops, meaning that, despite the perception, there's very little time to explore the surroundings. And as the ones responsible for putting away the toys post-race, mechanics will also be the last to leave. Usually, they clock off late into the night on Sunday, long after the drivers, engineers, media and fans have departed to enjoy the whole city's hospitality. It all means that, rather improbably, Amelia began to see those two hours of racing as the most relaxing part of her week. I always thought that Sunday, that's that's the tough one for the mechanics. I now know that that is the chilled one. Just, they relax, they're fine. You know, their week is over if the car crashes. Not that we wanted to, but if it does, it has to come apart anyway, you know? <laughs> Of course, it's not a total breeze for the mechanics on race day. There is the small matter of the pit stop. Quicker than the time it takes most of us to put on a seatbelt, a 20-strong pit crew stands either side of an 800-kilogram racing car, whips off its tyres, then sends it back on track with four new ones. Amelia's roll was left rear off, meaning she had to remove the 11-kilogram back tyre the second it was loosened by an impact wrench capable of delivering 10,000 rotations in a minute. Going too soon or hesitating too long could knock an entire pit stop out of sync and prove the difference between podium or pointless. We don't hear anything during the race. It's complete silence. And then all of a sudden the principal comes through and he says, pit crew, stand by. And when that happens, like your heart, well, my heart needs to start pumping and like the adrenaline is fantastic. Like that is what I live for. And that was like, now, you know what, Amelia, if you smash this pit stop, then you, you can walk free. All you wanted to do was one pit stop and this is your moment, you know? So we run out to the grid, helmet down, and you know, the whole world is watching. And when that car comes down, driving towards you, everything just stops. It takes so long, yet it drives so fast towards you. I was on wheel off, but I was standing opposite to a lot of the other guys who's wheel off. So I, I would be the first one he would hit, you know. He drives so quick, but everything goes so slow and he comes in. And obviously you're so trained at this point that you know exactly what you're doing. And before even knowing that car was off again, and the only thing I could think of was like, 
did we actually change that wheel? Like, did we remember to, to tighten it? And it was perfect, you know, the perfect smooth pit stop. Amelia's first race as an F1 mechanic was a success. Although finishing just outside the points, both Force India cars finished the race in one piece, thanks to pit stops that went without a hitch. The signs were good for the season ahead. Amelia was able to bask in a moment she wasn't sure would ever arrive. That Sunday, when I got to the grid, I think it's the first time I actually, in those 10 years or how long it took me, it's the first time I looked up and actually realized what I've accomplished. Standing there on the grid in my race suit, my pink race suit, next to an F1 car and all the drivers getting onto the grid, all like the all the people looking at us, you can see all the famous interviewer and that, that was like a moment for me where I realized now I've made it into F1. It was very tempting to end the podcast here, on a high note, with Amelia having made it into F1 after 10 arduous years battling with a daunting patriarchal establishment. And maybe, if Hollywood ever fancies producing Amelia's story, that's how they'll end it. But the truth is, Amelia's great F1 dream didn't quite live up to her expectations. While composite technician Michelle Creighton and strategy engineer Bernadette Collins provided some female company, Amelia remained the only female mechanic at Force India. And in an environment that requires almost 200 days on the road with the same faces, she often felt isolated from her teammates. I'm not actually a part of, of the guys. I'm not really a part of the group. You know, what they're doing on a Friday night is not what I would do on a Friday night. And they don't really want me there because maybe it's a more of a boys thing, if you know what I mean. So it was very hard to being a part of the group, which I also think if I was, it would have helped me gain the respect a little bit more. What's more, Amelia's fellow mechanics didn't take too kindly to the interest she received from the Danish media. With frequent requests for interviews and photographers making her blonde hair and blue eyes a regular focus of their lens. Oh, look at her. She thinks she's so great. She's a princess, all of this. Uh, or she sleeps with half the pit lane. And I was like, is this really like, is this what I have to deal with right now? I'm, I'm here. I might have gotten here a bit quicker, a bit different than you guys have, but I'm still here. So I found it very hard being the only female and I, I think that also what ruined it a little bit for me is I had so much love for this sport, absolutely so much love for it, still to this day. But the feeling of being working that much and that hard, traveling so much and, and not having that, just, just a normal respect for me as a person, that was really hard. Because then is it worth it? You know, Then you start getting a bit homesick. Then the nights at the hotel can get a bit long. You know, I want to experience that teamwork, team vibe. Amelia remembers one time when Force India clinched a position in the top 10 to claim valuable points on the board. A video captured the team celebrating on the pit lane. Force India can celebrate that, they're back in business. And everyone is gathering in a group to like jump and hug each other. <laughs> this video says everything, because I'm on the outside like trying to hang on for the like for my life and just trying to be involved in this group and, and they, how it felt at that point was that they didn't want anything to do with me. I'm sure there was, you know, some did, and I know that I worked a lot of media in my in my time at Force India, which probably wouldn't, looking back, maybe that was a bad idea, but I wanted to show the world, like, we can do it too. And why is it that when I, as a woman, want to talk to a magazine or talk to a 
TV show about how it is to be a woman as an F1 mechanic. Why is that me being pretentious or arrogant or think I'm better than anyone where a male mechanic can do the exact same thing and there's not a problem? I got a bit bitter in that way. Like, there's different rules for me. The final race of the season in Abu Dhabi proved bittersweet for Amelia. She was happy in her role, kitting the engine and the front wings of Esteban Ocon's car. And after the initial nerves of her first pit stop, she'd soon regard them as the best part of the job, feeling at ease in a moment when many other mechanics felt white-knuckled terror. In her first full season as an F1 mechanic, the team finished a respectable seventh in the Constructors' Championship. But she opted not to stay on for another year. And I was really lonely at this point. It's been a very long journey to get here. Very, very lonely journey as well. And as much as I really loved what I was doing, I just I couldn't see myself doing another year with, with the team that I was with. I was really unhappy, except for when I was working. People ask me all the time, how can you quit that? Like, that sounds like the best job in the world. And it is the best job in the world, but it isn't just a job, it's a lifestyle, you know? Absolutely a lifestyle. And you need other things in a lifestyle to make it good than just work. And I only had work and I could only only do work for that period, else I would have burned out. Amelia moved to Mercedes. Based at the team's Brixworth plant, she spent two years working on the engines that powered the generation's most successful F1 team. It was here that she felt more at home. And when the team asked if she'd like to return to a racing environment back in the pit lane, she was a little surprised at her answer. And I said no. At that moment, I don't know why I said no, but it just came so natural to me, like, nope, I'm I'm done. Like, I don't I don't want to go back. It didn't it didn't make me happy. I it, it it's been an amazing journey. It's been an amazing year. I've done everything that I ever set myself to do. I've proven that you can be a woman in F1 as a mechanic and you can succeed. Amelia enjoyed her time at Mercedes, working behind the scenes as Lewis Hamilton made F1 history. It only ended when the pandemic forced the team to release their contractors. On her return to Copenhagen, Amelia was upbeat, ready for a new challenge. My main plan is just to get to F1. I've done it, bought the T-shirt, and, and my passion is not there anymore. She may have bought the T-shirt, but for now at least, it's one that remains predominantly available in men's sizes. Amelia intends to change this. In Denmark, she is now the head of a professional internship scheme that aims to encourage interns into high-profile vocational roles, regardless of their academic abilities or gender. My new goal and passion is to change people's view on taking a technical education, how we can recruit more women into it, of course, but most importantly is how to make the absolute best internship scheme in the country. It needs to be diverse, it needs to be not as old-fashioned as what I've experienced. You know, I need to inspire some more young people to go this direction. While she's no longer working in F1, Amelia accepts that there are signs it is moving in the right direction. For one thing, in the same year that Amelia joined, the sport's dated habit of pre-race grid girls was ditched. For decades, the Formula One grid girls have been part of the Grand Prix lineup, displaying the drivers' numbers. But now the sport's bosses have decided it's time for the girls to go. In a statement, they said, while the practice of employing grid girls has been a staple of Formula One Grand Prix for decades, we feel this custom does not resonate with our brand values and clearly is at odds with modern-day societal norms. Despite this, 
It seems the sport still has a way to go to ensure that the women working within it don't feel like token figures. I think if one is trying to change it, I think they got a lot of good ideas and they've got like, a mindset of, of, of doing something different. Like with the grid girls, for example, fantastic thing to get rid of them or make it a bit more diverse with females and males. In April 2023, the F1 Academy began its inaugural season with 15 female drivers taking part in 21 races over seven race weekends. The Female Academy for drivers is a really great way of doing it, but I think we need to look at the teams as well and the mechanics. One thing is that people say they want to change it, but do they actually want to change it? Are they going to do something active for it? And I think all the intentions are there, but it's the, the thing is that it's, it's still the same type of people who get there. You have to have a certain mentality, meaning those are the guys who are forever going to be there. And that is a very hard group to be a part of as a woman. Amelia knows exactly how hard it can be. But in her new role, she is meeting and helping the next generation of Amelia Raths. And based on what she's seeing, it seems the Formula One Boys Club is on notice. Change is coming. There was a girl there who approached me who almost done the same that I have. Mechanic, same school, automotive technologist, and now wants to go into racing. But I will say this though, because I'm the only female mechanic I've ever met, and now I've met her. My God, these girls, they have a force. Like Now, like after meeting some of these girls that are mechanics, I understand why some guys might have felt a bit threatened by me or a bit pushed back by the energy because, Lord, that is next-level driving motivation. Like, these girls are tough. So I have no doubt she's going to make it, but um, it is, it's a different creature when you're a woman who knows what she wants to do and going after it, like, hardcore. That is, that is next level. Thanks for listening to The Unsung Podcast. This episode was written and narrated by Alexis James. Additional script editing was provided by Nick Crinion. Artwork is by Matt Walker. And it was produced by me, Matt Cheney. And if you haven't already, make sure you follow the podcast and check out our previous episodes featuring athletic starters, football ground staff, and Winter Olympic snowmakers. And for yet more tales from sports unheralded heroes, including anti-doping officials, rugby medics, and cycling moto pilots, get your hands on Alexis's book. Unsung, Not All Heroes Wear Kits is published by Pitch Publishing and is available from your favorite book outlets. Head to unsungbook.com for more.